Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. This week, I am so excited to share with you my conversation with the wonderful Kelly Castle. Kelly is a master astrologer, but also studies human design and gene keys to help all of her clients better understand their astrology and themselves. If you have been wanting to get into astrology or any other esoteric methodologies for a while, I think this is a really great entry point. Kelly gives us some really good tips for how to dip our toe in the water to further explore. If you are an expert in astrology, I think hearing about Kelly's story will be vastly interesting to you. And if you don't think astrology is for you, or you think all of this new agey, hippy dippy stuff is silly and not your bag, I urge you to give it a try. As someone who's very science-minded and believes in research-based improvable things, I also believe that there are innumerous things that we will never be able to truly prove. Arthur C. Clarke says that any sufficient science will be indistinguishable from magic. So something that we think is woo-woo today may be the forefront of science in the future. You never know. Just because we don't have a good explanation for something I don't believe is reason enough to discount it. But also, if this is not a part of your making meaning journey, that's absolutely all right. This is just another tool, another avenue that you can use to maybe further explore yourself, or maybe not. As always, take what works and leave the rest. This podcast and the Cohere Collective truly is a place for exploration and trying things out and experimentation. So maybe try dipping your toe in the water, but if it doesn't work, no worries. But I also think this is a great time to talk about the level of respect that I think we should all have for each other within the collective in terms of our own personal making meaning journeys. We are all going to resonate with things that other people don't. We are all going to view certain things as important that other people don't, and that's okay. But being open to learning from other people's experiences and things that work for other people, I think is part of the key to broadening our own horizons and learning about ourselves. When you begin to see yourself in the other is when you understand empathy. When you begin to see the other in yourself is when you understand compassion. So even if it's not for you, I still recommend checking it out and let me know what you think down below. As always, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave us a five-star review and leave us a rating. I love hearing your thoughts and what you think. If you are on YouTube, please click subscribe, click like, and leave me a comment down below letting me know your thoughts. I really want the comment section to be a place where we can have conversations about things that come up in this episode. And if you want more of Kelly, you can find her on Instagram at kcastle, and it's spelled K-A-S-L-E. All right, I think that is all I have for the intro. So with that, let's take a deep breath. And get started. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time to drive over here, meet with me, chat with me. I am really so thrilled to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. So the first question I always like to start with is just what's one thing you're grateful for today? I think it just sets the tone nicely for the rest of our conversation. So whatever mm-hmm. comes to mind. Right now, I am very grateful for the Dallas community Mm. that I have found since really grounding here in March of 2023. I've been trying to figure out whether I was going to move to Austin or Miami, but once I found a yoga studio here that I loved and a community there, it just blossomed and opened up to this whole other side of this city that I had never experienced before, even after growing up here and going to grad school here, and I'm just so grateful for the people here in Dallas. That's wonderful. Community is so important, and I feel like, too, with... um, like finding a yoga studio specifically, it's like you're starting with that base of something that we all have in common that you can build off of. I love that. And I think also there's 
a misconception about Dallas because it is like in the heart of Texas, but there's still like the diversity of types of people and types of things that are happening. I feel like I'm always meeting someone new and different and doing something new. Especially right now, because I grew up here, you grew up here. Yes. And I did see and experience the stereotypes that are right. typical of this For city, sure. They right? do exist. <laughs> they do exist, yes. There yeah. is all the old money. And mm-hmm. like, it's funny because I went to SMU for grad school. Yeah. But I was in the music school. So I was with okay. all artists and musicians all the time. Right. And I wanted to escape Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I did. I, I moved to Los Angeles and I built a career there. Um, but when COVID hit, chose to come back here. And my decision to stay here was because I saw that there is this blossoming of spirituality mm. and this, these seeds being planted here in Dallas. And I, I think that a lot of us are actually getting called to this city right now yeah. to bring in that energy. Well, and that's such a wonderful um, segue, actually, into the second question I always ask, which is, what's your story? So if you want to flash back to the beginning and then take us here. But I love that kind of encapsulation of what brought you to right now, because like you said, we both grew up in Dallas. And when I was deciding where to go to college, I was like, it's either East Coast or West Coast. I'm not staying here. I'm yeah. not staying in the Midwest. And then I ended up in Fort Worth. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, was totally crazy and uh-huh. not where I ever expected to be. Mm-hmm. But having returned to Dallas, even though Fort Worth and Dallas are, of course, very close, I have been able to find people that in high school and middle school, I couldn't really find. And of course, part of that is putting myself out there. But I think you're really spot on in that there is something in the air here Mm -hmm. right now but I'll toss it back over to you anything else you want to add on to what is your story and what has brought you to here in this moment definitely so I grew up here and quickly discovered that I had a talent for playing the bassoon which for anyone that doesn't know what the bassoon is it is a very tall skinny almost clarinet looking woodwind instrument and loved it, Uh, loved being in band. I was in the Greater Dallas Youth Orchestra and um, when I was considering what to do for college, I had just returned from a youth orchestra tour to China. Whoa! And when I went on that tour, I had this moment of, of revelation essentially in one of the concerts and realized I could make a living out of doing this. Yeah. And I could actually get to go and travel the world doing something that I love. And so when I applied to college, I applied for both music and chemical engineering because... (laughs) You said both ends of the spectrum. (laughs) Yeah. I knew... I knew how I stacked up against Texas kids in terms of the music world. Right. Like I'd gotten into all state and all these things. But I didn't know how I was going to stack up against the rest of the country or yeah, even the world. For sure. And honestly, I wanted to have a more traditional college experience. And so I mostly applied to schools that had really good music programs and colleges like yeah. Northwestern, USC, Michigan. And then I had a couple of reaching schools mm-hmm. like Oberlin and Eastman, and I ended up getting into all of them for both. Right. Which you're like, cool, this made my decision yeah. so much harder. But also what yeah. a great vote of confidence, too. Yeah. And so it was really cool getting into Eastman. Yeah. Um, and my dream school was Northwestern, but kind of like you, Northwestern did not give a whole lot of scholarship money to mm. undergrads. So really when it came down to it, I got the most scholarship money from Eastman and it was kind of a no brainer. Yeah. So I had not, just like you, had not expected to end up at a music conservatory in kind of a small city too. I mean, I was really excited to go to the East Coast, Rochester, New York. Um, And so that's what started it all off. And 
I, there are so many people that when they start down the musical path, they have this grand dream of yeah. getting into one of the big orchestras, having a solo career, these sorts of things. And I never really had that. Yeah. I just loved playing and I got to go to all these festivals and things. It was fun. Uh, but I did have a entrepreneurial spirit like my dad. And so as Eastman happened to have um, the first and kind of the top arts entrepreneurship program. Wow, how cool is that? Yeah, so I got really involved with that. I worked for a jazz radio station for a year and a half. I got to go and do press at music festivals. I got to help. I worked in the arts entrepreneurship office for three years. And so I knew I wanted to build kind of a freelance career for myself and have the option to both play and do other things. And so ultimately after finishing both of my degrees, uh, it's pretty typical for a classical musician to do their undergrad and master's back to back. Oh, interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it's going going to grad school is kind of like getting two more years to practice. Yeah, okay, and checks out. <laughs> especially if you get um, a, a, a good scholarship to go, then it's kind of like two free years of practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this is better than adulting out in the real world yes. and getting to stay and do yes. what you love more and learn from more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did that. And then like, as soon as I had my degree in my hands, packed up my car and moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. And I built a career as a freelance performer, educator, and um, event producer in Los wow. Angeles. So I lived there for five years. I've produced everything from a two-week music festival to a little intimate uh, chamber music performance with like 75 people. I've produced music videos. And just living in Los Angeles was a whole lot of fun. And I got yeah. to live out my dream, essentially, and, and do the thing. Right, right. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to do the even though I feel like a lot of people would look at a music career and say that's such a non-traditional career, it sounds like there is still a very traditional way to go about doing the classical musician career and life and what that quote unquote should look like, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to kind of buck that stereotype a little bit, but still embrace the freedom and creativity of choosing and creating your own path, that's really wonderful. Yeah. So that was really fun. Uh, But then, of course, COVID hit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And um, going into 2020, just life was going so well. I had finally, like, really built a secure career for myself. I was starting to make good money. And uh, all of that went away overnight. Especially with events and live (laughs) performance. Like, it's rooted in being in person. Gone. I I still had my students, luckily, who continued to take with me online. Um, But I did stick it out in LA through 2020. I think like most people, I was thinking, oh, the world is going to turn back on. You know, I just got to hang out, kind of let it play itself out. Um, But of course, that's not what happened. And... Um, going into the second half of the year, my dad ended up passing away pretty suddenly, thank you, of, um, things not related to, to COVID at all. Right. Um, but once that happened, I just said, you know what, I'm going to go back to Texas. Um, I'm going to be with family. I was about to say, so since you grew up here originally, all your, or most family is here. Okay. Yes. Most of my family is here. And so I, I came back to Dallas and I said, you know what, I'll use this time to kind of figure out, well, it, it was the first time I had to, I, I was confronted with and I had to ask myself the question, if I wasn't doing music with my life, what else would I do? Yeah. I had no idea. This this was the first time I was having an identity crisis. Right. <laughs> like- Which is crazy, but also I so relate to that. I don't know if we've talked about this before. Oh, probably a little bit, but I grew up acting on stage and in film and going to college was kind of this moment of like, am I going to go to an acting conservatory mm-hmm. or am I going to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When this is like the thing that I've been told all my life, Mm -hmm. like you're special at, you're talented for this. Um, But also it's non-traditional. It's a creative path. It's Mm -hmm. a risky path. Mm -hmm. Um, And to have to 180 on that, I'm Mm -hmm. like, 
when so much of your identity is tied up in one thing, yes. it is so easy for like one string to be pulled and it all, all crumbles. Goes away. Yeah. 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 And and that's where you realize we are multidimensional beings. And right. we have all these different personalities inside of ourselves, different versions that we can express. And yes. so um, you know, through all of this this though I had been um, studying alternative health practices okay. and manifestation and neuroscience for about a decade for fun. That was kind of my hobby in the yeah. background. Uh, I started doing that in 2010. That was around the time my dad got sick. I was also dealing with some of my own health issues. So sure. as a family, we kind of went on this journey together. Yeah. And what started as a journey just to heal our health ailments turned right. into a spiritual journey. Yeah. Well, they yeah. are so interconnected. And I think the more that we see like Eastern medicine practices coming to the West and being um, more understood, yes. the more and more people are understanding how functional wellness really is this marriage between like the mind, soul, and body. And how do you heal the entirety of this self, not just... Yeah, one Slap piece of a band-aid it. on it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you look at one organ at a time. Yes, same exactly. thing with medicine. Yeah. And it, it's funny because when I look back now, even though I moved to Los Angeles right. for a music career, LA also happens to be the mecca of spirituality right. in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like, uh, and this is where you have to develop your trust with the universe. And we mm. truly are in a dance with yes. the universe. Yep. <laughs> um, just like with both you and I in, in choosing what college to go to. Right. The universe had a much bigger plan for both of us yeah. that we couldn't see at that time. But it was nudging us and saying, you know, you're going to be okay. Right. This is the path you really need to yep. go down. Yeah. Um, so being in LA, I really got to explore spirituality. Yeah. And develop a yoga practice. I got into kundalini yoga, meditation, sound back, like just all the things. All the things. Yeah. I love it. And so now you're here and you have a blossoming astrology practice. Yeah. Um, as well as being the in-house astrologer for, I'm assuming, the yoga studio you found, the community jungle. A couple, you know, different places okay. around yeah. town. Um, we're kind of figuring out now where... The, the communities that already are open to these things are yeah. really excited to start digging into it more. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're kind of trying to figure out right now, okay, where are those places? Where are those places? Yeah. yeah. Well, and then certainly you start building that traction and it spreads and blooms and mm -hmm. gets bigger and bigger. But that is so wonderful. And I think talking about building your trust with the universe, it really is such a practice and a mm. muscle of like letting go yes right and even though it's like typically like letting go you don't think of it as a muscle you think of like oh I need to cling on tightly but it is practicing like releasing that and trusting whatever is going to come yes. to be the right next step mm -hmm. what has that journey been like for you through this kind of process of being guided down these different pathways and having mm. this change of career several times. And mm -hmm. even your first post-grad school career is very multifaceted, right? Yeah. So how has your relationship with trusting the universe developed and mm -hmm. changed? That's a great question. I would say I got the first big dose of that building my freelance career in LA because especially in our Western world, I grew up with so much structure and mm. I was go, go, go. My calendar was booked from 7.30 a.m. until essentially 8.30 p.m. Right. Every single night until I graduated grad school. Yeah. <laughs> and so now for the first time at 24 years old, I have nothing on my calendar ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I literally had to go out and figure out how to meet people, get into these scenes, start to develop work. And so that was my first big trust muscle experiment mm. to say, I trust that the universe is going to bring me things. Yeah. And that 
my calendar is going to be booked up a week from now, a yeah. month from now. And there certainly were some scary moments. I remember at the end of my first year in Los Angeles, I had completely run out of money. And like, luckily at that time, I was already uh, set up to go and play at a bunch of summer music festivals. The the music world works essentially like the school calendar. Got it. It's fall and winter and then the summer season. Um, so my roommate was moving out of, of the place that we had. So I just put my stuff into storage for the summer. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go play these festivals. I'll come back and kind of like restart and get, get going it out. again. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I did. And I remember in that moment of just being like, I have no idea what I was going to do. Yeah. I was, there was almost panic attack coming on. Yeah. I sat down on the floor and I closed my eyes. I put my hands in my lap. And I just took some really deep breaths and I did, just did this really basic meditation where I said, you know what? There's a floor under me holding me up. There's walls around me. There's food in the fridge. There's water coming out of the sink. I actually have everything that I need and I am so supported. And that was all that I needed yeah. to just calm everything down and be able to take another step forward. And so um, through the process of becoming a freelancer, yeah, that, that was the big thing. And then starting over in LA, or starting over here, excuse me, it has taken about two years to get really specific on, on the, what the what is going to look like, yeah. essentially. Like yeah. what avenues, because I still, I get bored really easily. And this sure. is like what shows up in all of my astrology and human design and everything. Um, and so I do have a couple of different projects on my plate. Um, and I just had to get comfortable with kind of what my manifestation process is. And yeah. so maybe we can kind of segue Absolutely. into that. So... I'll start kind of with what my own manifestation process looks yeah, please, like. Yeah, please, please. So I think also being an Aquarius, I'm very curious. I like to research things, right. go really deep with things. And so I always ask a question first. Mm. And I say, you know, what, uh, how does astrology work, for example? Yeah. Or what does this person, what role does this person have in my life? Or where is my lover? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so instead of coming from a place of desire, and which could be mistaken by that wanting feeling, which actually mm. repels things from you. Yeah. Because that is the feeling of being in lack, lack. of. Yep. Um, I send out the question of, hey, universe, show me what would it look like to blah, blah, blah. And I accompany it with the feeling, which is, of course, uh, what Dr. Joe Dispenza teaches. Mm -hmm. And he has had a huge impact. Him and his work have had a huge impact on my life. Um, so kind of uh, with that, like tying this back into my own journey, mm -hmm. um, in around 2018, because in LA, my freelance career essentially looked very different every six months. Sure. Yeah. There were basically seasons of yeah. things. Well, and freelance is just always in flux. Yes. Always. Yes. And so there'd be a season of a lot of teaching and then a lot of producing. And what I was finding was I was starting to get a lot of work, but at the same time, as you hear about in the entertainment world and some of these things, um, there are gatekeepers and it's like you have to put in your hours oh, yeah. before you can get really paid. And I was getting so frustrated yeah. because I was doing these huge jobs. And also think like if you compare becoming a musician or entertainer to the young coders who come out of these right. prestigious schools and are immediately given six-figure salaries yep. and stuff. I'm like, I've been doing this since I was 11 years old. Right. I am in the 1% of people, like almost in the world, like, who play my instrument. I, I am an expert. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you're telling me you don't want to pay me? Yeah. There, there was that huge disconnect, and I started to wake up and realize. Yeah. Also, I had hit a point with my health journey 
where I had healed a lot of my physical ailments, but I still had a lot of emotions Mm. that were eating at me on the inside. And so that's when I started seeking the more spiritual understandings Mm -hmm. of things and dealing with the emotions and realized for me, talk therapy really wasn't my route, Mm. but working with energetic healers like Reiki practitioners and sound baths and, and hypnosis were working and yeah. those are the things that changed the game interesting so, yeah. so what made you first want to explore energetic healing was it just yeah. this search and it was like the next I mean thing to I try was out yeah I was basically I was broken and searching for anything yeah <laughs> I, I was <laughs> I having anything yeah I I was on the floor crying in my bedroom um, I was just asking the universe, like, why are all of these things happening? Yeah. And why, too, um, I had grown up in the middle of a really bad divorce. Mm. And even watching my dad get so, so sick. I mean, he was yeah. diagnosed with just about stage four cancer. Wow. Like, when you are confronted with those kind, those magnitudes of obstacles... Yeah you start asking more questions. Of course. Well, (laughs) and if this is too personal, feel free not to answer, but growing up in Texas, was Christianity a part of your spirituality story before? And then there was this bit of deconstruction, I imagine. Just, I don't want to project my own experience by any means, Uh but I know that for me, when these huge obstacles first start coming Mm -hmm. with people who grew up with religious backgrounds, that big Mm -hmm. question of why tends to be a huge thing of actually there isn't really a good answer for Mm -hmm. why an omniscient and all kind God would exactly, exactly put anything negative on us. There really isn't a good answer for it. And philosophers and theologians have spent years trying to come up with, um, I forget what it's called, but the theory of like why evil exists, yeah, right? Exactly. So yes, exactly. I don't know if that's part of your experience. So I, uh, I didn't have so many. Uh, I I didn't have much of an inf. I should say it this way. Religion did not have a huge influence on my upbringing. Gotcha. I was, I grew up, uh, my mom was Methodist, my dad was Catholic, so I did First Communion, I was baptized in the Catholic Church, Right. Um, but by the time I was around 9 or 10 years old, my parents really stopped going You're to church. You're not going to church. And so, yeah, it, it really didn't have an influence gotcha. on me. Now, I mean, growing up in Texas, I was surrounded by all right. the Southern Baptists. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, went to church on Wednesdays and went to church on Sundays, and you know they wanted to help save you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, well, and yeah. it's almost impossible, I think, in Texas to avoid religion impacting you at all. Oh yeah. Even if it's not in your family of origin, it yeah. is still the way you are socialized. Oh yeah. I mean, just when you check out at the grocery store or or a shop or something, have a blessed day. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're gonna hear that everywhere. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so it was a huge change going from Texas moving yeah. to upstate New York, where all of a sudden I was surrounded by especially a lot of atheists, a yeah. lot of non-Christian other religions and even it kind of shocked me within the music community because in general most people in the entertainment world are very left-leaning right and so I had grown up in a very conservative environment I didn't necessarily establish my own views and stuff on politics sure high school or I started kind of exploring that once I was in college right um but it was shocking to me that I had met so many musicians who were atheists or mm. didn't believe because music is such a spiritual practice. (laughs) I'm so glad you brought that up too, because one thing that I remember you mentioning that I think is a really powerful, like key into unlocking some of these, um, synchronicities is you being attracted to music and music being like a mode of frequency. Yes. In that as you pluck the strings or blow the air or Mm -hmm. whatever, you are manipulating the energy and the atoms around you to create a new frequency, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I have a similar experience with acting where it's like, 
you are engaging in a space with another person mm-hmm. in live moment, right? The same way that we're connecting right now is the same energy that you would have in a scene. Yeah. Um, and so it is so interesting where I'm like coming from a religious background now agnostic question mark, right? It's like mm-hmm. a big why. Um, but I still see all of those things as so powerfully connected and a part of the universe and a part of spirituality to know that there are people who are like, no, music is amazing. Art is amazing. Mm-hmm. But there is no higher power or higher connection. I think that that is fascinating. Yeah. And, and that's when for the people that believe we are essentially just a walking bag of chemicals and bones, um, that's where I just have to ask the question, well, why are we here? And why do we experience yeah. emotions and connection um, if, if that's the case? Why yeah. not go out and create a world where those things don't exist? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. So how do you answer that question? Yeah, so... What I found in my journey, and and again, kind of going back to that moment where I was having this spiritual awakening. Yes, I know we're kind of jumping around, so thank you for taking us back. Yeah, and and going, like, why are all these things happening? And it's like, I was doing everything right on paper, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was doing what I had been taught were the ways of building a career. Like, I'm a good kid. I'm a good student. I'm a good worker. Yeah, exactly. And it was just like, something isn't right. And what I learned is that emotions are the root of all illness. Mm. And so with that mind body soul connection i really believe we are here to make the connection between those three things and in my journey on on discovering these things i do believe that there are these universal principles and laws Mm. that create this reality and and one of them is the law of polarity Mm. for black to exist white has to exist right and vice versa and so in in that time period uh i think it was like through this guy that i was dating the book conversations with god came to me and again this is like when you send out those questions you have to be receptive to the universe sending you messages i do believe it is always speaking with us it's always sending us signs yeah and it even it's gonna send you signs in a way that you will fully understand and see you may think this is insane like some if i was sitting here and ask a question i look over and see a book and go huh you know ooh, something's really calling me to that book yeah <laughs> or you bump into someone at the grocery store and they say something and it just right. sparks it, something right. yes um yes. those sorts of things the universe is always sending you the answer and my answer came in the form of this book conversations with god that laid out all of these principles like polarity like what is good and evil really right why are we here um and i'm gonna leave some of those answers for people to go and explore because i highly highly recommend this book like for anyone that's kind of at the beginning of their spiritual development journey this is always the book that i give like gives you like a smorgasbord of all of the questions Yeah. yeah and so that book helped me to see and understand that especially with the childhood that I grew grew Mm. up in, um, I was just harboring all of these emotions. And I even did this this breathwork journey once um, where the vision started me in eighth grade. I had a really close best friend that got a really serious case of Lyme Uh. for a long, long time. And it took me from there and it went back until I was maybe two or three years old. And I could see how as a young child, I was basically the sponge for all of the emotions around me between my parents and Mm -hmm. people that got sick. And that had just gotten stuck in my energetic field. And so until I cleaned that out, 
I wasn't moving forward and I was attracting like attracts like. Yeah. That's where the frequency comes in. Mm -hmm. And so I was attracting all these people around me that either wanted a piece of my positive energy or were vibrating on that same frequency of pain and suffering. And so I had to get that stuff out. And as soon as I started doing these practices, for me, especially Kundalini yoga, like my whole reality just shifted. I I didn't actually do anything externally. It was just from practicing Kundalini yoga. The jobs that no longer aligned just fell away. New people came in. And it was just like magic. Yeah, you're like, whoa. When you start paying attention to it in it's almost like such a rudimentary example, but it's like whatever you're watering will grow and whatever you're now taking water away from, it will wither away. You don't have to do anything else besides Mm -hmm. the attention you're paying and the Mm -hmm. energy you're feeding it. Yes. It'll take care of itself. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Wow. So amazing energetic journey. And of course now you're involved in all of this metaphysical spiritual work here. Mm -hmm shifting gears just a smidge Mm -hmm. when did astrology and later on human design really come into the picture as a mode of understanding self understanding other and continuing this work Mm -hmm. so as i had mentioned in los angeles i had already gotten into the energetic work and especially a lot of the neuroscience work so Mm -hmm. studying the conscious mind and the subconscious mind and around the time uh, this program called To Be Magnetic, created by a woman named Lacey Phillips, was becoming really popular. So I did that program at that time, was seeing great results. But when COVID hit, and again, this was the moment of of just, oh my God, like, I, I won't curse sitting here, but like, it was <laughs> just like, to, oh like, my God, yeah. <laughs> like with my dad dying, losing yeah. my career. And so I was just like, this is a moment I can't explain with any of this work that I've done thus far mm. with all of these things hitting at the exact same time. This is on a higher level. This isn't subconscious programming stuff. Right. I did not subconsciously manifest a pandemic <laughs> yeah. and my dad dying. Right. All at that, the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's, again, when I went searching for answers. Why? Why yeah. is this happening? And I had been following, again, like through listening to podcasts and stuff, I came across this guy named David Palmer, the Leo King, and um, he had a very popular Monday night YouTube show called Deep Love Tarot Mm -hmm. that I would tune into, and it was just really fun to start getting into it. I was kind of like, huh, you know, this astrology stuff is interesting. Yeah. And he had in 2017 predicted a plague coming in 2020, and he was warning everyone that you guys, you you can't even imagine how much the world is about to change. That's crazy. And then it happened. Yeah. (laughs) And all of his predictions started coming true. And me, again, you have to remember, like, I could have gone to school for chemical engineering. Right. I, I have a, a logical research brain. brain. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even growing up as a musician, I mean, it's been well studied and documented that, if, especially if you start music from a young age, it's one of the few activities that equally uses and develops both, both sides. sides of the brain. Yes. Um, so well, the communication between the two, yes. too, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so now I had all of this free time. Yeah. <laughs> and I just started studying astrology kind of as if I was getting a college degree like I mean I bought two crates of books I started taking his classes and I started going back through my own life and I charted out all of the major moments and I went holy shit it's all there yeah (laughs) like I can map it to the planets in this little circular chart yeah and I'm getting goosebumps. Obviously, this is something that I practice and buy into, but yeah. I think that it's um, it's so common for someone to just know their sun sign, which mm-hmm. is the typical sign that for anyone who's very new to astrology, that if you know any sign about yourself, it's your sun sign, the one that everyone's yeah. like, oh, for me, I'm a Virgo. Um, and you just hear that, and it's like, well, there's only 12... Um, every single human being doesn't fit into one of 12 personalities and then immediately discounts it. The other skeptic answer that, or question that I 
am fascinated by is, well, what about twins, right? And how does that challenge astrology? Um, what questions popped up for you as you were first studying? Was there anything that was like, that doesn't quite make sense digging further. And then you found something that did ring true there. Was there any moment like that? It's an interesting question. Not that immediately came to mind. Um, so for anyone who's never looked at an astrology chart, it's yes. actually a wheel. And essentially, you are in the middle of the wheel looking up at the sky, and it's a snapshot of where all of the planets were the moment that you were born. Right. And so it does depend on the latitude and longitude of literally where you were born. Mm-hmm. And the time of where you were born, where the sun was hitting the horizon at that right. time. So with twins, even, there is a couple minute difference right, in their minutes. charts. Yeah, which even with that could change their rising sign, which which does kind of alternate the chart a bit. Right. Um, and it's interesting. Yeah, I, I haven't had any twin clients yet to yeah, interesting. explore that. That'll be interesting whenever it does come up into my purview. Yeah. Um, That's always been my answer, though. I'm like, well, the precise time actually yes. is super important and something that doesn't feel like it can impact it right now. Like, as you're exploring the cycle and different reflections, a tiny shift or change or a slight degree change yes. of something really can make an impact when you're reading it scientifically, logically. Yes. And so the practice of astrology, it it mirrors music so well. And it's Mm. funny, I kind of tell people now that it's almost like I have gone through Plato's Mystery School because I became a musician. I went to school for music. While I was in music school, I worked on a math minor Mm. um, because I loved math and science. I needed something to balance out my brain being at a music conservatory. So I do have a high degree of math knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I got into this astrology thing, which like those are the the three foundations of Plato's school. And I saw that each language is just a mirror of the other just with different symbols and terminology and so it was very easy for me to understand astrology once I started putting together all the pieces and the layers um it's it's very similar to music first you have to learn what each of the notes is you have to learn like what's a half note what's a quarter note (laughs) and once you learn what the things are then you can put it all together and create an analysis but just like music, it's not a purely logical form. It is mm-hmm. both scientific and artistic. Yes. And it, in doing a session with someone, it does require a degree of intuition and channeling, yeah. which I have always been extremely intuitive since I was a really little kid. I mean, I'm a triple Pisces. Right. <laughs> I have a 29 degree Mercury in Pisces, so clearly I'm connected to something out there. I I don't even quite know yet what that is. Um, But I always, growing growing up, had these crazy intuitions about people, and especially when it came to warning people about things that would happen. And this is where people want to debate with manifestation. Um, Well, anything is possible. And I say, yeah, but we do live in this third dimension of form. Form does exist. Yeah. Every human for the most part, we have two arms, we have 10 fingers and toes, two right. legs. We don't grow a third arm. We don't grow yeah. 11 fingers. There is a reason for all of this, even if yeah. we don't understand it. And same thing I've seen energetically with people's lives. Um, I do believe in this concept of the soul being this everlasting energetic thing. Mm. Thing, and yeah. it's essentially a record of all of our lives. And then my own belief is that we're here to just have experiences mm. simply and experience all these different parts of yeah. reality. So, so yeah. when you say the soul is an everlasting thing, do you believe that as like each individual soul is an everlasting thing or there's one <laughs> universal soul that we all tap into to have experiences yeah. or 
So it's a both. mix. Yeah. <laughs> it's both. I, think, I feel like that's always the answer. Yeah. Like, and it's both. Yeah. yeah. I think we should probably save that one for a different day. Okay. If we want to okay. go like deep into some theoretical rabbit holes. Yeah. Um, but just to keep it plain and simple sure. of like this life, I do believe that our soul chose to come here and have very particular experiences mm. as I am sitting here as this woman named Kelly with brunette hair and right. I was born to these parents and my soul chose all of that. Yeah. Um, just like your soul chose you to be Reese Brown and yeah. to be a Virgo and you know, these sorts of things. Right. And well, to yeah. learn those specific lessons, right? Yeah. It's like what is the challenge or the growth edge of mm-hmm. this iteration of yes who I am, right? Like, quote, unquote. And that's my Southern Baptist background. (laughs) I'm like, I am is the, um, like, Hebrew traditional verbiage of God. And in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and God was I am, right? Mm -hmm. And so choosing who I am is also a deeply, um, like, connected to your higher power, right? Yes. Um, I want to go back to what you said about how these different pathways are just different languages that actually mirror each other. Mm Because this is something that I have always found extremely interesting. Because in my own journey of acting, Mm -hmm. um, philosophy, and writing Mm -hmm. as my kind of big three, but of course there's psychology in there as well and sociology, um, I've always had the same experience of well, each of these things is truly just tapping into the human experience Mm -hmm. and what it means to be a human being. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're using different languages to talk about this. So I would love to hear a little bit more about that realization for you, these being mirrored languages. This is a great question, and I'm going to answer it in a slightly different way. Please This is one of the things I love about astrology and even tying this into manifestation is what I love that astrology shows us is when I look at a chart, I can tell what that person's perspective on life is. Mm. So essentially, if it's someone who is a very strong Leo, they are seeing the world through the lens of a Leo. They're wanting to have that experience. If it's someone which they're going to care more about having fun, being creative, like... Yeah, kind of being the center of the party. Right. Whereas someone who is super Aquarius is going to be very logical, put together, somewhat emotionless, and is going to care about the logical side of it. Yeah. So all of these elements of reality are all part of this experience and it's essentially you could you could say it's like wearing different colored glasses Mm. in that you are getting a different lens on life so someone who's really into psychology that's like very gemini yeah is seeing the world through that lens someone who's really into music wants to have the experience again tying it back to that we're all here to have these unique experiences they want to experience the emotions of it they don't really care care so much about how it, it's right. put together. I'm like, I don't really want to know how it works. Yeah. Just let me feel Just let me do something. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the same goes with manifestation. It's, it's not so much that you can't, <laughs> this is like another conversation for another sure, day. Sure, sure. It, it's not that anything isn't possible. It's more what exactly do you want? The first part of any manifestation is you have to know exactly what, what it you is. You have want. to be specific. Yes. And yes. you have to decide. And so not everyone is going to want everything. Yeah. And there's going to be multiple ways to go about getting what it is that you want and, and experiencing the different flavors of it. Yeah. Absolutely. So in terms of this different language, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but I'm hearing you say that different signs or people's soul experiences are coming into this life drawn towards a certain modality or activity, but all of those are just ways of approaching the same 
human experience. Yes. We're all just approaching it at our own angle. And this is where when I look at a chart, you know, especially more scientific minds, they are built that way. Yeah. And that's where I just say at a soul level, you chose to be built that way. Yeah. You did not choose to be built like an artist and tap into emotions. And and typically those sorts of people look at very emotional people like you're kind of an alien. What is going on? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's so funny when you so going back to something you said at the very beginning talk therapy not really being the right modality for you it's been a huge part of my life my mom's a counselor I've been Mm -hmm. in therapy since I was 12 Mm -hmm. and mirroring that modality with all of these other energetic things Mm -hmm. and finding like oh this is a trauma this is where that's stored in my body energetically let's clear it out and then I love that additional step of like talking about it. Yeah. Gemini rising. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I'm like, that's something I really love. But it's like, I found that I need all of these. Yeah. That was a total tangent. But I wanted to ask you about, um, have you ever read someone who it seems as though they've tried to reject certain elements of their chart or things that... Um, that are innate in their soul that they're like, I have tamped that down or like been taught that or socialized that that's not yes. okay. okay. How does that yes. manifest? Exactly. So this is typically when people come to me because they are feeling like they're not themselves mm. or they, they like things are going wrong. They don't understand. Um, it's typically because they grew up in a household or an environment where who they were was rejected and suppressed Mm. or perhaps even the child who was the people pleaser archetype and wanted to please their parents and so molded themselves because nothing is stopping your brain from programming you can program your brain to believe anything i mean if you go study cases about prisoners that get held for like multiple years and decades right and and they come to eventually believe that they did the thing that they didn't um yeah societies powers that be have figured out how to program people so um but people typically hit this crisis point where they know at a soul level they can't keep going on like that Mm. and actually their soul is like urging them please you have to get back towards your path yeah but with that as well um astrology and and all of this we do live in a dimension of time time is one of those elements we are living through these cycles and so what i see in a chart is this whole platter of gifts and abilities and personality traits um karmic lessons lessons you're going to come in to learn and they don't all hit at once they hit over points of time and so i will see things in a person's chart that upon talking to them they just haven't discovered or developed yet yeah or with each thing again with polarity existing with every element of a chart in our own personalities there is a higher expression of that personality trait and a lower expression of that personality trait you can learn to be more responsive and calm and learn to communicate in an effective way or you can learn to uh, to communicate and respond or i'm sorry react yeah you know in a very detrimental way to yourself and those around you right so for me having people learn their charts is all about awareness because Mm. there are usually elements of somewhat of of strife discomfort the parts of ourselves that we don't like to look at but are in there and it's about awareness because once you become aware of those things inside of you you have greater choice in how you make decisions the greatest freedom at least to me i'm like this is talking this is like such a Virgo thing to say but i'm like being educated about something gives me the most freedom in the world education is never wrong fully understanding all dimensions of something is always going to give you more freedom to act in a way that is in alignment with yourself and your values um 
And that does come down to the self too, right? And the more that you are aware of things that either you've suppressed intentionally or unintentionally, because, you know, I feel like sometimes I'll be in conversations with people and they're like, yeah, when I was a kid, I loved this thing and I just haven't done it in years. And I'm like, you should try it again. Yeah. Like you should do it and see what happens because I feel like so often, um, to even tie this back to um, your story and having these changes in career paths and trusting the universe in that, um, we're told, especially in the United States, that there is this conveyor belt of success that you're plopped on in kindergarten and you go to first grade and then you go to high school and you study really hard to get the good grades, to go to a good college, to get the good grades, Mm -hmm. to get a good job, to make the good money, to be happy successful question mark it's like how do two plus two does not equal happy right Mm -hmm. it's like how do we get there and so realizing this is something i've been thinking about a lot the compass that someone else has placed in front of you versus the compass that you're feeling and hearing you talk about like cycles and time and all of these things just being very cyclical and Mm -hmm. the polarity of that too Mm -hmm. I just think is super super powerful so anyone out there if there's something that you haven't tried since childhood try it um and then I also wanted to continue on this same conversation and ask you about human design I know that it's kind of a slight shift from astrology but yeah, yeah. so human, uh huh. Human design is it comes from astrology. Mm-hmm. It's based on astrology. So, just the the little overview here. There are these three systems that are popular now: astrology, human design, and gene keys. So, astrology has been around for thousands and thousands of years. Every culture on Earth has their own version of essentially the same thing. Um, and then in the God, I really got to remember this year. <laughs> Um, in around the the 80s, okay, 80s, and it was starting to be in use, I believe, in the 90s. A Western man who had this whole spiritual awakening ended up uh, changing his name to Ra-Uru, downloaded essentially this system called human design, which combined the Chinese I Ching, the... um, the Kabbalah template, uh, astrology, and uh, the chakra systems, mm-hmm. like all these systems into one. And essentially um, took what we already looked at in the astrology wheel into another layer of depth and just giving it even like more colors and angles and everything. And then uh, a guy named Richard Rudd, a few years later in the early 2000s, he had been studying uh, the human design system and essentially downloaded this new system called Gene Keys, which the way I see it is it's almost like, I don't know if he just purely channeled it or actually consciously recognized. He pulled specific points from human design, Mm. realized that he saw them in this very specific pattern, um, and put it into this system called Gene Keys. There's 64 Gene Keys, just like there's 64 Human Design Gates, 64 I Ching. Right. Um, Which is interesting because it actually ties together our modern time system of 12 and 60 minutes right with the dna genetic code the double helix yeah so i'm going pretty deep into my studies on that right now and i I don't have too much to share yet but i will very soon (laughs) absolutely so what has this added layer to your study introduced for you personally so far and continuing your own um manifestation yeah astrology journey what has human design and gene keys meant for you so 
for me, it gives me more places to go and look for answers. Mm. It shows me even deeper levels of myself. Like if when there's been something that I still haven't quite understood in my astrology chart, I go and start digging into my human design chart and I go, oh, oh my gosh, there it is. Okay, because gotcha. it goes into further detail. Now, the the big few things that anyone can go and look up in their human design, which they can go and learn some things about themselves immediately, mm-hmm. is their profile type and authority and what kind of manifester they are. If they're specific, non-specific, um, you look up if w- one of your types, if you are a manifester, a generator, a reflector, a projector, um, and just your your number, your profile. So if you're a 6-1 uh, or a 3-5 or a 2-4, whatever, um, those you can quickly and easily see how you are naturally built to communicate with the universe. That's what human design has become very popular for and how you go about moving, responding, reaching out to people. So I recommend they go and look at that. But if you're doing some really serious deep self-reflection, that's where I say, okay, go pull up your Gene Keys chart. And all you really have to do, that system was designed so beautifully to be a contemplative practice. Mm. So go and read your your first bubble, the life's work bubble. Go and read Richard Rudd's um, beautifully written, he's a gorgeous writer, um, his little synopsis on that gene key. And then reflect on how that shows up in your life. Um, Because all of the signs and all of the keys end up showing up in our life at one point or another. Not all the time, though. Right. But there will be times where you'll be kind of wondering, huh, what is my relationship to blah, blah, blah. Right. And that's where you're going to download the insights. There you go. I love that. And I love having this extra layer of answers to find like the way that you phrase that because like you said you love asking questions and asking the why and in you know this as well entrepreneurship and innovation you have the um why deconstruction where it's like you ask why then you ask why then you ask why again to get all the way down and it's like that has just been like it unlocks so many things in the business world in the creative world but Mm -hmm. also again different languages to connect back to the human experience, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like all of these things, having that similar um, relationship to questioning and searching for answers. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. So to round out our conversation, one last question I want to ask in terms of making meaning. It Mm -hmm. sounds, at least to me, again, don't let me project anything onto you, but a lot of your journey has been about discovering and asking and letting those insights arise as opposed to I manipulating sounds like a negative word but like going in and like physically manipulating something how Mm -hmm. describe more of how that making of meaning feels for you yeah so once i learned my astrology and human design charts even gene keys i mean it all made sense it Mm -hmm. was just all there and i am one i'm i'm a triple pisces in the ninth house with which ninth house has to do with exploring adventure higher education it's like no wonder i love school i love studying (laughs) like i love exploring adventure my my purpose in my gene keys is literally adventure and boundlessness Um, so that's a part of it. I'm also a triple Aquarius in the eighth house, which is going really deep and finding, um, the deep meanings of things. root cause. And yeah, yeah, and Aquarius is like finding out basically everything you can about the subject, going into the future to pull back, um, the, yeah, essentially things that you're going to see and use in the future into this time period, getting really technical with it. So there's that element of it too. Um, So for me, and having a lot of fixed energy in my chart, I've always just known exactly who I am. Mm. I haven't ever 
had too many questions or like I was never a super self-conscious person about being me. Yeah. And so people would ask me all the time, why are you the way you are? I got asked that all the time and I could never answer that question. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just me and I do me. I got a lot of pushback for it too. Sure. Because people would want to project on, no, you should do this. You should do that. I'd be like, no, I'm here to do me. Yeah. (laughs) I I am who I am. (laughs) Yeah. And, And I really was built to be the person to kind of trigger people in a way Mm. to like that Aquarius energy is seeing beyond the the future. And so you're going to go and do something very strange that people are like, what are you doing? And why are you doing like, I don't quite know, but I just know to trust it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's just kind of been my experience of like, I am going to do me no matter what, yeah. no matter what pushback I have and just keep going on the journey. I think that is so beautiful. And I also think serves as such a great reminder because I deeply believe that everyone was born with some sense of I am who I am, right? And again, connecting back to the great I am, however, however you define that for you, yeah. Um whatever higher power that looks like, however you connect to the universe. But through the process of living, walls are thrown up and it's easier for some than others to stay connected to that, right? So what a beautiful reminder that everyone has that there that they can root back to. Um, Second to last question. These are the final two just to round it out. One, is there anything we miss anything in light of the conversation that you want to clarify, go back on, throw something else out there, anything at all. I think this was a really fun conversation today. And we, there's a few other tangents and rabbit holes we could go down in the future if you like, but I'll leave those for another day. Absolutely. (laughs) I love it. Um, and then final question, what Mm -hmm. is one word that you would describe to you use to describe how you feel right now? Mm, Gratitude. Gratitude. I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, thank you so much. I'm very grateful to you. And we are doing this the day after the new moon. Yes. Virgo. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Happy birthday, <laughs> Virgo out there. Yes. And, and the word that I used to describe this new moon in, in particular was gratitude. This mm. really was not a new moon to actually set intentions because yeah. we have six plans retrograde. Oh yeah. We're in <laughs> retrograde season yeah. till the end of the year. Yes. But it was a new moon certainly to practice gratitude for what you already have what's already Mm. growing virgo is the season of being grateful for the harvest that you got this season and then going in and picking it and and using it for your family and friends and stuff being in service so gratitude thank you so much for sharing your time your energy your wisdom and expertise with me with the listeners i am so thankful so thank you so much for being here Thank you, Reese. Thank you all so very much for being here today and listening to this conversation with the wonderful Kelly. She truly is so informed about a vast array of things. I'm so fortunate to have had her on the podcast and be able to share this conversation with y'all. If you want more of Kelly, you can find her on Instagram at kcastle, spelled K-A-S-L-E. And you can head to kellycastle.com to book a reading or learn more about her, her story, and her offerings. If you want more of the Cohere Collective, you can follow us on basically any social media, all at the Cohere Collective, and that is where you will find all of Making Meaning podcast stuff. So go follow, leave us some comments, let's start the conversation. And if you want even more than that, head on over to thecoherecollective.com where there is plenty of more information for you to discover. There will be a blog post related to this episode coming out soon, so definitely subscribe to the newsletter if you don't want to miss it. If you want to, you can follow me on Instagram at Lillian Reese Brown. And a big thank you to Nicole Ostriker for making Meaning's podcast cover and artwork. You can find her on Instagram at Nicole O Creates or Nicole O Design. And thank you to Tristan Morgan for making Meaning's podcast music. And you can find him on Instagram at Tristan Morgan. Right now, I am feeling excited. That seems like a very rudimentary word, but I have 
dinner plans with my girlfriends this evening. It's at one of my favorite restaurants and it's Friday. And so I'm just looking forward to having a glass of wine, eating some good pasta and hanging out with my gal pals. And I hope that y'all have something fun that you're looking forward to too. Thank you so much for being here, being a part of the collective. And I hope you feel like you are living more coherently. Until next time, love.